Welcome to another episode of the Dutch Podcast, where integrative medicine providers and patients can learn about hormones and explore the body's most complex communication system. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Smeaton, Chief Medical Officer for Dutch. Having operated my own fertility practice for several years, I've trusted the Dutch test as a tool to help me solve complex hormone concerns for couples. Now on the Dutch Podcast, I'm joined by experts in functional medicine who will help you make sense of the body's hormones and take the guesswork out of treating hormone-related issues. Coming up on this week's episode, I'm very excited to get the chance to talk with one of the world's leading functional medicine experts, Dr. Mindy Peltz, all about women and fasting. Dr. Mindy Peltz is a renowned holistic health expert and one of the leading voices in educating women about their bodies. She's truly on a mission to start a women's health revolution. She teaches her signature five-step approach, and Dr. Mindy has empowered hundreds of thousands of people around the world to harness their own healing abilities through fasting, diet variation, detoxing chemicals from the body, stress management, and lifestyle changes as keys to achieving optimum health and slowing down the aging process. Dr. Mindy's high profile clients include entertainer Leanne Rimes, former race car driver Danica Patrick, love her, and actress Kat Graham, co-host of their joint podcast, Women United. She's also worked with numerous influencers, Olympic athletes, Academy Award-winning actors, and so much more. There's nothing that Dr. Mindy loves more than empowering people to take back control of their health. Her YouTube channel featuring fasting and alternative health tips has garnered over 26 million lifetime views. She's the author of three best-selling books, and her podcast, The Resetter Podcast, is ranked within Apple's top 40 category for U.S. science podcasts. A native of L.A., Dr. Mindy pursued her early passion for wellness at the University of Kansas, where she was a member of the tennis team and earned her Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, and she currently lives in San Jose, California with her family. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Mindy. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, I'm so excited to talk about this topic because as someone else in women's health, women ask all the time, and I know there's really kind of conflicting information about fasting in women and maybe just nuances to how women need to do fasting to be basically be beneficial for them and not have a detrimental effect on hormones. So let's just start by telling us, like, what got you interested in fasting? Yeah, it's so interesting because I came to fasting for my own um, health benefit. I had uh, at about 43, I was starting to get some pretty severe perimenopausal symptoms and um, I was really healthy. Like I was doing all the right things. And so I couldn't imagine why all of a sudden I was having night sweats and why I was starting to have some extreme mood swings and trouble sleeping and things like that just hit me out of the blue. So um, I started looking for different possible answers of like what I wasn't doing. And at the time, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Osumi's work. Uh, mm -hmm. the, you know, he, he had just won the Nobel Prize for, in medicine and physiology for uh, the term autophagy. And out of that came this whole intermittent fasting movement. And I, I watched and I was like, okay, well, maybe I should try fasting. And um, once I really understood the concepts, I dove into fasting, I realized so many of my, my perimenopausal symptoms cleared up. 
That's um, amazing. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. It, it, and then, of course, I took it to the extreme, which is how I figured out that women needed to do it different. So let's talk a little bit about that. And I love, first of all, that this came out of your own personal experience because so much like that we discover about, you know, health in general comes from trial and error, right? And so it's so amazing that you were kind of dealing with all those perimenopausal symptoms and found fasting to be a key because I don't think it's like intuitive culturally at this point Mm -hmm. to institute fasting in perimenopause. Like it hasn't gotten that much traction that women would think about that. trying that. We're we going to change that. Awesome. <laughs> I'm on a mission to change that because it, it should be a, a women over 40. It should be a, an absolute must health habit, just like sleep and exercise. Cool. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about like, why would women fast? What's the benefit that they can get out of that? Yeah. So the first thing that I think that women have to understand, and, and you guys are so helpful at helping women customize this um, for their unique needs, needs, is that we have these three sex hormones that drive us, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And estrogen and testosterone do really well with fasting. So mm-hmm. progesterone doesn't. And we'll, we'll chat about that in a moment. This is why women have to do it differently. But if you look at what happens to a woman after 40, um, estrogen is doing this wild ride up and down. And as eventually estrogen goes into this more down moment, um, women become more insulin resistant. And so what I started to notice clinically, what I noticed in my online world was that women were doing the same exact health habit. They were working out, they were eating the same, Um, And that same health habits that kept them thin at 35 no longer worked for them at 45. And that's largely because of estrogen going down and needing us to become more, have more tools to make us insulin sensitive. So the first reason why women in general should fast is because we want to help estrogen. You know, we Mm -hmm. want to improve estrogen. And then also this, you know, what we know is it can also improve testosterone, which is a whole nother, uh, uh, you know, major hormone that doesn't get enough attention that women are deficient in. So for those two hormones, it's important for women over 40, these hormones, well, all three of the hormones are declining. So we need more tools than just exercise, diet, supplements. We need more tools and fasting is one of them. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely relate to having patient after patient come in in their 40s and early 50s and just feel so discouraged because it's like even people I had one woman that comes to mind for me she was a fitness instructor you know she did you know two to three hours a day of like working out and leading classes and ate so clean and yeah she was so fit and then as she started to reach perimenopause it was like why is all this stuff not working you know and so you're completely right like having other tools or other levers you can pull are really important for women to be able to still feel their best. Yeah. And in that scenario, I mean, I was totally that woman because what I tried to do as my symptoms were, were, were growing is that what I tried to do is exercise more, get more restrictive with my diet, try to lean into more, like doing more when I really needed to just be smarter about what I was doing. And um, the over-exercising actually led to more injuries because as estrogen goes down, collagen goes down. So now I've got like Achilles tendon injuries and hip injuries because I'm just trying to o- push more into the exercise. And I, 
I really realized I had to take a step back and understand these hormones and bring in new tools. And I think most women over 40 don't realize that. They are trying to do the same things they did their whole life. They don't realize that there's this switch that mm. needs to happen at 40 in order to accommodate the changes in our hormones. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit more about like what does fasting do to estrogen? It keeps it high, keeps it higher. Yeah. So, you know, as you know, and the Dutch is so good at that showing us all the breakdown of estrogen. Um, but, it, you know, here's the best way I can say it is that the helpful estrogens, the protective estrogen, um, you know, that we are all craving, we all need, um, is really benefited by keeping glucose and insulin low. So when you keep glucose and insulin low, you are going to see estrogen rise, the good protective estrogen. Because I think when we think of estrogen, now of course we're talking to a group of clinicians here, but when I'm talking to the lay person, they, you know, everybody clumps estrogen into one thing. But we've got our bad estrogens and our good estrogens. Mm -hmm. So our good estrogen. So it helps maximize that good estrogen, um, which is really important. So we've got to keep glucose low. We've got to keep insulin low. Now, the other part of that is that we have to think about estrogen clearance. And so how are we getting rid of, the, of all the different forms of estrogen, 4-OH, 16-OH, 2-OH? Like, how are we clearing that out of the system? And so what I have found is that we really need a tool for liver support and gut health. And when you look at fasting as a tool for supporting those organs, it's pretty profound. You know, if you go into a 17-hour fast, stimulating autophagy, encouraging your body to make ketones, um, you're really starting to clean the liver up and give the liver um, a little more extra support. Like autophagy alone is going to start to repair some of the cells in the liver so it can detoxify better. It can break estrogen down better. You know, we have the, the, the I call it the estrobilome in the, in the um, gut that mm -hmm. breaks estrogen down. Well, the studies on, on fasting of all different lengths for repairing the gut is profound. So, you know, I used to throw supplements all the time at gut repair. And then when I realized that fasting could actually change the, the years, the, the terrain in there and the years of birth control and antibiotics that women have been on and can bring back the health of your microbiome and especially those bacteria that are going to break estrogen down, you start to see that this one tool is going to help with all different versions of what we need to look at when we're looking at estrogen. Isn't it amazing that like we as clinicians always think about what can we add when yep. so often what we need to do is like just rest, right? Like yes. just give your gut a little Thank bit you. of rest. Yeah. Let it do its thing. We kind of need to get out of the way more than yes. we need to, you know, apply the next therapeutic. So, so can you talk a little bit about fasting generally, like many on women? I know there's kind of a timeline that when you eat your last meal, you have a certain number of hours where you're like digesting your food. You have your insulin response, and then you move into autophagy. Can you kind of walk us through the timeline of what happens? Of course, yeah. You know, the, I think the best place to start with is we have to come back to this understanding that we have two ways that we make energy. One is when blood sugar goes up. I call that the sugar burner system. And one is when blood sugar drops and we switch over into the fat burning system and we make a burn fuel from fat. We lovingly think of that as the ketones or ketogenic energy system. So the whole goal with fasting is you're trying to get your body trained to switch in and out of these two systems. 
So when we go 12, around 12 hours without food, you start to see that the body switches over into the fat burning system. And somewhere between 12 and 16 hours, we're going to start to see that the body makes ketones. When the body is making ketones during that window of uh, length without fasting, you're going to start to see GABA go up. So the improvement in ketones is going to cause GABA um, to come on the scene, which for the back to the perimenopausal women, we love GABA. We We need GABA. We want to bathe in GABA. So you start to see ketones and GABA go up. You're burning energy from fat. So you're losing weight. Um, So that is your entry in at that somewhere between the 12 to 16. Testosterone starts to go up. Unfortunately, we don't have any specific studies on women and testosterone, um, but we start to see testosterone uh, in men, we know, go up. It starts to elevate around 13 hours, and at 24 hours, it it significantly goes up. So we can sort of rely on those those for Mm. for that kind of understanding. Um, 17 hours, you start to see autophagy kick in where we can have a, you know, the body turns within and it starts to repair itself. 24 hours, the science is showing that the the gut stem cells and the intestinal tract will be rebooted. So the whole terrain inside the gut changes and we start to see things like leaky gut and uh, get repaired. Bad bacteria falls off and, and moves away and it creates a better environment for good bacteria to grow. 36 hours in the fat burning state, the research is showing that the body really goes after stored fat where it put the glucose and all the toxins and all the estrogens, like it stored that in fat at 36 hours, it starts to burn that. The uh, 48 hours has really good research showing us that our whole dopamine system reboots. And then we'll start to see that we get more dopamine receptor sites um, that actually D2 receptor mm. sites form. And then Walter Longo taught us that 72 hours, you'll reboot the whole immune system. So it's like this chemical healing power that if you are not fasting, you're just not tapping into all of that. And is that because you have insulin, you know, glucose spikes, insulin spikes that kind of prevent all those other systems from rebooting? Yeah. yeah. When the minute, the minute blood sugar goes back up, you're back over into the sugar burner system. So- yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. So yeah. I know most of the research on fasting is in men. Yeah. And so we try to there's a couple of studies that have come out in women, but from what you've yeah. read, like how do women need to consider fasting differently from men? Um, so here's the thing about with the difference between women and men is that what we're seeing is that these hormones need to be treated different. So men are primarily d- designed or run by testosterone. Uh, testosterone will go up into the brain and convert into estrogen. So um, with that, you know, the man only, men only have to really focus on making sure that they get testosterone production so that it can go into the brain and then they'll get their estrogen that they need. With women, we've got three hormones, testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen all coming from the ovaries. So we've got to really think and, and adrenals, we've got other, other, mm-hmm. other organs that are helping out. We've got to look at the characteristics of these. So when we just look at estrogen and progesterone, and, and I say this in the book because I think this is such a great way to look at it, is that estrogen and progesterone are like twin sisters with vastly different personalities. So even though they look alike, even though they're both sex hormones, they, we call them the same thing, they come in at different times. Estrogen thrives when insulin and glucose is low. 
progesterone actually wants glucose to be higher. So if you take a cycling woman, if you go and you look, and we've seen this on CGMs over and over and over again, around day 19, day 20 of our cycle, your body actually becomes more insulin resistant. Now, mm. why does it do that? It does that because it's trying to bring glucose up in order to have the, the proper precursor to make progesterone. So if we're fasting too long, if we're in low carb, if we're in keto during that time, your body can't make progesterone. And now that's going to lead to, you know, missed cycles, worse perimenopausal symptoms, more anxiety. So it's really progesterone that needs us to, to, to flex in and out of this fasted state. The, the other place, and you'll see it in the book, that I keep fasts a little bit lower is in, uh, during ovulation because we, have, mm -hmm. we get a, a blurb of a little surge of progesterone there as well. But anytime progesterone's on the scene, we need to maybe think, we need to think about more carbs, shorter fasts, um, and making sure that we don't have cortisol spiking, making sure that we're really tending to what her needs are. I mean, I love that you're covering this with the nuances of like where a woman's at in her cycle because, you know, we've all seen patients who come in with incredible discipline, you know, and they are eating keto and they're doing, you know, 17, 18 hours of intermittent fasting. And, and you do like you do have patients that are sensitive enough that they have negative cycle changes. Not yeah. everyone, but there are certainly yeah. people that are more sensitive to that. So the fact that you could kind of tailor a plan based upon a woman's unique needs and where she's at in her cycle feels spot on. Do you find that women are like hesitant to add carbs in? As oh my gosh. Thank you for, yeah. Thank you for asking <laughs> me that question because here, here's the first thing that for the, for the women that are listening and in my journey and discovering all this, um, through my perimenopausal years, I, I kept thinking, why have we been trying for years to find the perfect diet for us that we're going to eat the same way all month long. It, it, if, you, if you truly know hormones, you know that that's actually not helpful to our hormonal profile. We've got to get to know these hormones. This is why I love the Dutch test. I don't know what my hormones are until I check, you know, until I really look at them. I do one every year on myself so I can see where they're at. But you've got to understand that the requirements, the lifestyle requirements of these three are, are, are really different. And progesterone wants you to eat carbs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we just take it back to what was women, we do a lot the week before our periods. What do we do? We bitch and moan. I just want to <laughs> eat carbs. I want to <laughs> eat chocolate. Of course you want to eat chocolate. It's got magnesium yeah. in it. Of course you want to eat carbs. Your body's asking you to raise your glucose. Of course you want to sit on the on the couch because progesterone needs cortisol to be lower. And what I'm trying to do is bring back this understanding so we know how to cycle with it. And to, to really dial into your, your question, what I'm finding is that the women that are willing to trust that when progesterone is coming into their on their cycle, either ovulation or uh, the week before their period, if we really trust these hormones and give these hormones what she needs, then what ends up happening is you don't gain weight. You actually lose mm -hmm. weight. I had a, I was on a podcast yesterday where a woman followed my, what I call the fasting cycle, and I have this in the new book. She told me she had huge sugar addictions, and she said within 90 days, those sugar addictions were all go gone. Wow. And she was eating more carbs just following the natural rhythms of her cycle. So it does take a little trust, but I do find women are like, eh, 
I, I want, I do well on keto. I don't want to go down that carb path. Um, but I call it nature's carbs. I'm not mm. at telling you to go eat pizza. I'm not telling you to, you know, dive into a, a, a tub of ice cream. I'm saying, pick up the fruit, go to the potatoes. Let's, let's lean into nature's carbs and then let's watch at the appropriate time. Let's watch your hormones really shine and you will be the weight you want to be along with proper hormonal health. Yeah. And I love, I'm going to bring it back to something you said earlier on, which is that our goal, our aim is like metabolic flexibility to move into sugar burning, move into ketosis and like be able to do that without skimming a beat. And I do believe for women who have done keto and they're afraid to eat a carb, that's not success. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not success either. Just like eating too much carbs all the time can set you up for trouble. So can the other side. Yeah. One of the things that I see a lot in women with talking about progesterone issue and when women are eating too low carbs is that during that luteal phase, their sleep is terrible. And if you can get them to like have carbs at dinner, like add a sweet potato to dinner, I see sleep improvements right away. I mean, it makes such a big difference. I I think that the sweet potato is the hormonal hero of the day. It really is. And it's delicious. I mean, who can go wrong with a sweet potato? Tell me a better food. Just, I mean. Thank you. I'll wait. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like literally like in all kinds of sweet potatoes. You will never come into my house without there being a sweet potato. And to your point, you know, I'm 53 and I'm in that weird period where I haven't had a cycle in about 90 days. I think I'm going into menopause. Um, but the minute I have struggled to sleep, a sweet potato comes into my dinner. And I and I look at, like, how do I start to support progesterone? Because I know I get better sleep when I'm eating for progesterone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about the nitty-gritty. Like, can you share with us a little bit about the fasting cycle? And, you know, you mentioned kind of the the – ongoing intermittent fasting type of schedule. You also mentioned prolonged fast, like up to 72 hours. And we talked about yeah. the benefits. Obviously, if you're you know, not a practitioner, you want to make sure you're doing that under the supervision of a practitioner. But Definitely. can you share with us kind of your thoughts around like what should most women be doing in perimenopause? Yeah. So the, here's the first thing I would tell you is that when I discovered fa- fasting, it was, I was, it was around 44, 45. So I was right in the thick of the perimenopausal years. Um, and I loved it so much. I loved how I felt. My brain clarity was so good. My energy was so good that I just did it all the time. And then I ran a, a, a Dutch test on myself and my hormones were lower, lower than a postmenopausal woman. Wow. Now, I still had a cycle, so I have yeah. no idea how that was happening, but they were like, you know, the little purple, the purple bar, it was like below the purple wow. bar. Hmm. And so I started to dive in and go, okay, wait, this, the, I still had a cycle. So what is it that I need to know about these different hormones? And here's what I discovered that from day one to day 10 of our cycle, estrogen is really trying to make her debut and we do really well with fasting. And we do really well with low carb. Um, for those of you that are are treating anybody with PCOS, I've I've seen you know not you can knock PCOS out by really helping a woman become insulin sensitive during that part of her cycle. Mm. Then when we move into ovulation, you know we've got estrogen at her peak, we've got testosterone at her peak, and then we've got a little bit of progesterone. So at that point, I like to keep fast, you know, a little bit more around 15 hours because progesterone's there. We don't want to go too long of a fast. And I switch people over to what I call um, hormone feasting foods, Mm -hmm. which are, you know, meat. If you eat meat, I'm a fan of eating meat. 
um, it, the, the sweet potatoes, root vegetables, squashes, but even progesterone does really well with tropical fruits, citrus mm. fruits. So in that little five-day ovulation window, let's work on bringing up glucose just a little bit and you compare that with like a 15-hour fast. Then when we come out of ovulation, we see all those hormones crash again. So I'm a huge fan of these longer fasts. If you want to reboot your dopamine system, if you want to reboot your immune system, um, if you want to go after some of that stubborn weight, throw some of these longer fasts at it, but do it during that window and do it during like day one to day 10. And then somewhere around day 19, progesterone's coming in, and that's when we really need to stop fasting and we need to bring, go back to more nature's carbs and bring glucose up. And you do that until you bleed, and then you bleed again, and now you go, you're back in. Once on day one starts, let's go back into more keto. I call it ketobiotic because I like people to get their carbs from, from nature's food so you can support the microbiome. Mm -hmm. um, you can go back into that rhythm again. And, and that's, it's, I, I can't tell you how many women we've been able to bring their cycles back, help their hormonal problems, help them get pregnant, like so many pieces just following that rhythm. That's great. So I'm sure everyone was like feverishly taking notes as you talk through that. If they want to learn more about this fasting cycle and more about fasting and the work that you do, what are the best resources for them? Well, the book has everything in it um, for the discussion that we have right now. Um, I mean, it was the, it was why I wrote the book because I was really teaching it on my YouTube channel, and and I got so many questions. I was like, okay, let me put it all in a book. So, fast like a girl has everything you need to know. Plus, there's a 30 day reset that you can really time yourself to. Um, you know, I always say that my YouTube channel is my passion project, um, and especially since we're talking to practitioners. Um, one of the things that I know and, and really value is science. And I know a lot of practitioners want to see the science. So if you dive in, I've got over a thousand videos on there. If you just dive into there, look in the links, I link all the science in the book. I put all the links to the science in there. If that calms your brain a little bit, um, to, to know that there is some real, um, scientific evidence showing the benefits of fasting. Um, so YouTube's a great place. And then you, you, if you forget all that, you can go to my website. I'm on all social. You can go to my website at drmindypels.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been awesome. I've been doing intermittent fasting for probably three years and love it and throw in like once a month about a 24-hour fast. Love but it. I definitely learned some things uh, maybe that I should be nuancing in my own plan. So yeah. I appreciate and I it. Yeah. And I think that's the real highlight here is that we there's a lot more to the story for women and the nuance is important. And that's, yeah. um, that's what I hope people get out of the book. So thank you, Jacqueline. I, I, I love talking about this and I, I, I love Dutch. I don't know how I could be out in the world helping women without the Dutch test. So I'm just super grateful for you all. It's, it's my favorite hormone test. So thanks to you guys. Thank you. We're grateful for you too. And grateful to the team that developed it because it does yes, exactly. open up so much information more than just, you know, a single blood spot. So yeah, great. Well, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Come back next week and we'll have more hormone education just like this. If you're enjoying the Dutch podcast, please help us spread the word, comment and share it wherever you listen. And don't forget to also follow at Dutch test on Instagram and Facebook because we share news, education, and a lot of provider resources. Lastly, if you're a healthcare provider and you're struggling to find answers to complex patient concerns, registering as a Dutch provider 
will give you access to the tools you need to truly change the lives of your patients. Dr. Peltz and I have both experienced that with our own patients. Dutch providers receive advanced hormone education, comprehensive test results, great clinical support, and so much more. So visit dutchtest.com and click on providers at the top of the page and we'll get you started. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.